This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, let's get started. The Topics Worthy of Discussion panel has assembled. It's the Thursday crew. Peter Sherman, broadcaster, businessman, and former MPP. Good afternoon. Johnny, good afternoon. Great to be with you again. Good to have you on board. David Wills, Senior Vice President of Media Profile. That's a leading Toronto public relations agency. How's David? David is good. I almost got blown away uh, coming in the building, but I survived. What's going on out there? Wind. Oh, is it? We, just we didn't pay them enough. <laughs> right. I was going to say, you know, uh, in the absence of trees, it's hard to tell. The buildings are static, so there's no way, unless you've got, you know, kitties and canines sort of drifting by. Look at the, the bend in that construction crane out there. Oh, is that what that is? Okay. I, I, I didn't realize there was a bend in. Look at it now. You're right. It's uh, sort of oscillating. However, uh, be that as it may, let me get Stephen Holiday in here as our third panelist. Deputy Mayor, Councillor Ward 2, Etobicoke Centre. How's Stephen? I'm doing great. Nice and warm here in the studio, and I concur. It was an awful cold walk into the studio today, but a lovely day at that. Still nice uh, watching the sunset go down over Lake Ontario. Wow. Uh, <laughs> this bucolic thing that you uh, have painted for I'm us looking here. looking for the bright side here. You know? I was going to say, because uh, <laughs> there's... Winter setting in with a vengeance. Uh, a seamier, uh, seedier dark side to this uh, dank metropolis, and I wanted to dwell on that if I could for a few minutes. Uh, it has to do with Sue Ann Levy's report in the Toronto Sun, and she does uh, yeoman's duty, or yeoman's duty, because you know, she's uh, fearless in her reporting, and she said there's a presentation to the city's Economic and Community Development Committee, and uh, the general manager of Shelter Support and Housing told councillors the amount spent on emergency shelters has more than doubled since 2015, from $180 million to $375. They've increased the bed capacity by 76%, the number of shelter beds have mushroomed from 4,300 to 7,500, and they've opened 15 buildings in three years using a system-wide approach. She goes on, Toronto's share of the investment, $158 million, is 134% larger than in 2015. So, Stephen Holliday, uh, I guess I'm hoping there's a need, and this is really uh, addressing it. Are we being gamed, played? What's going on? Well, I, I, I like reading Sue Ann's material. She uh, really helps, uh, does a good service to the public by citing all of these reports here. And, and she's right. They talked about that at the City Hall Committee, how uh, the shelter system has, uh, has um, doubled over in, in four years. But, you know, the thing is, the beds are full. And you have to ask the question why. There's another, uh, there's another slide in the presentation that the, um, that the general manager gave, and it shows that the per capita number of beds in Toronto is 249 beds per 100,000 in the population. We are miles ahead of all the other cities in the country. Look at Winnipeg and uh, Montreal and Vancouver. They're in around 50 or 60 beds per uh, 200, uh, sorry, per 100,000 population. You have to ask the question, why? Well, we, we've talked about it before. We've got this situation with refugees coming to the city of Toronto. It's a, a welcoming place, and they fill up the shelter beds. Um, but... I have to ask the question, are there other things that are attracting people to the city? And one has to wonder if our liberal stance on on drugs and um, supervised injection sites send a message out there that, you know, come to Toronto. And and other policies that we have, like Sanctuary City, where you you don't ask or you don't tell and you don't qualify individuals or look deeper at uh, some of the details around their circumstance. And I think people come from not just the city of Toronto, but from the region. And that's why we've got so many people in the shelter system. All right. Well, uh, David Wills, is this the cost of humanitarianism, or do you believe that uh, we've now got a bloated system here? Uh, if you build it, they will come kind of scenario. 
Well, I, you know, Stephen quoted some some stats from other cities. I'd be much more interested in the neighboring cities to Toronto, uh, whether whether that is their if you, they can't fill the need there, if people then come to Toronto because because the services are better. I think the city is doing all that it can and probably more. I, I disagree with Stephen that things like safe injection sites are contributing to this. Safe injection sites are too far and too few in between right now. They are a major, major health, uh, public health uh, initiative. I, I don't think I would connect the two. I, you know, where, the part I like about Sue Ann's work on on uh, on covering this topic is that she does point out the ridiculousness between the 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 services that are offered between the city and the province and other uh, agencies and levels of government that they don't connect that there's often um, you know services and resources at the provincial level that connect through to mental health and other things that are not available to the city when they need them so those resources go unused those beds go unused those housing goes unused because it's a provincial program and not for a city program and the city ends up with everything that falls through the funnel to the bottom. Dave, you, you raised a great point, and that's on the chart that I've got uh, here handy by my side. You know, Peel Region has um, uh, just a few beds compared to us. So we, I said 249 beds per 100,000 people. Um, look at York Region, it's 14 beds. Halton Region is only six. Peel Region was 37. So that tells me that they are underserving the population, and hence people that are in need in those regions are naturally, they're coming to the big city for the services and driving our numbers up. Yep. Well, let me ask Peter Sherman. I mean, because uh, Sue Ann, again, writing, Toronto share of the investment, $158 million is 134% larger than in 2015. Uh is it a case of, you know, obviously more money isn't really the solution here? Or uh, how do we avoid uh, falling into this perpetual trap of having to build more and more and spend more and more? I don't know. I wish I did. How is it possible that we've doubled the cost of shelters and, and then some in three scant years? The answer is probably as simple as we're Toronto. Uh, is it possible that the city is just too full of people who can't make ends meet? Or are we a dumping ground for everywhere else? And, the, and we've heard both of my colleagues say that, so the answer is yes and yes. Uh, or do council and the mayor just not get what's going on? And I don't believe that. So I, I'm open. But uh, a lot of this money really did get spent on shelter beds. I acknowledge that. We really do have the largest number of beds in Canada. I acknowledge that. But we are indeed, at the same time, the largest city in the country. So Sue Ann pins this on self uh, proclaiming Toronto as a sanctuary city. And uh, you mentioned that, Stephen. She, she is correct that we shouldn't have done that. The city's own person in charge says we need better supports. If we don't address this before it comes down to only beds, the total amount will simply spiral up and it'll spiral up some more. And that's your question, John. So it's simple. Figure this one out or get ready to add a new tax levy. Peter, you brought in a great point that I think is worth noting. Um, the solution to the problem is far more complex than just offering someone a bed. Yep. Um, we know that uh, as many people are homeless because of issues related to addiction, mental health, or other problems in life that uh, make it really hard to have stable housing. The, the hard part that I've got is what is the appropriate role of the municipality in all of this mix? We only rely on the property tax to try to raise revenue. And you get deeper and deeper into discussions about institutions around people 
one has to ask the question of other orders of government should be um, part of the solution mix. Uh, and, and when it starts getting into issues of health and that sort of thing and hospitalization, I have to look to people like the province to say we need the help and we need the rules and the laws around that so that we can we can get the people to, uh, get people the help that they need to uh, have a successful life. Well, they may have to be. Somebody may have to be because this is not going away. If we can uh, increase the demand over the course of three years to that level that we have to spend that kind of money, which uh, ostensibly we do not have. It's just not available. It's just not as simple as let's buy more beds, let's find more space, let's spend more money. We don't have it. So do we have to look somewhere else? Of course we have to look somewhere else. And that somewhere else is only one of two places. It's alternate level of government, as you suggest it might be, and it's additional taxes as nobody wants. By the way, Stephen, I mean, any idea how much it costs uh, on a, well, let's just say an individual basis, a shelter bed on a nightly basis? Oh, that stat is out there. It, it's uh, Sue Ann says it's uh, 110 plus it's dollars right. a it, night. My my mental figure was something on par with around the cost of a hotel room. So that sounds about right. I'm sure it's buried in the report, but there are numbers out there. There are also lesser numbers that they pay to programs like Out of the Cold, where the, the churches run their own shelters and uh, the city gives them some money to, to run that type of thing. Um, but, you know, it's not cheap given the entire volume of people that we're housing and the vast array of different types of s- support systems that you've, you've got. You've got uh, hotel rooms and things for families. You know, that's expensive to house a family. But what are you going to do? Ask a family that's lost their home to live on the streets? It's untenable. And there's not a single member of council that would want to see that happen. Well, she also does point out, final point I'll make on this, that uh, there are chronic users of shelters and 25% uh, are using for six months or more. 10% uh, are in shelters beyond one, two, and three years at this $110 a night uh, and up. Uh, so obviously there have to be other solutions. This looks like in the intermediate, uh, we're not doing a good enough job getting bang for our buck or being cost-effective, David Wills. Yeah, we don't have a next step. That's what's missing, right? There is, to go from that shelter bled into transition housing into permanent housing, we don't have those steps, and it's all falling to the city, and the city doesn't have the resource or the wherewithal to to do that on its own. Um, this is a very, very complex problem. But you know, she's perfectly right. Like that, 110 bucks a night, uh, and spread over these. The people who are using those beds don't have choice. It's not like they're choosing that versus going to. Oh, I'm going to go up to Vaughn for the weekend or anything. Like that. They don't have any choices. They don't have a subway token. They don't have any of these other things. So we end up with this spiral, and she's correct to identify that some of these people can't get out of there because they got nowhere to go. Well, and if I can just... make, I just want to make this point. If if uh, ta- attaching myself to what David has just said, the problem is if you're Toronto and you have this problem, it follows that. Yes, we would have the gun problem larger than anywhere else. Uh, We would have any problem. We would have the ability to uh, situate and live in a place that uh, is commensurate with our ability to pay. Uh, To a greater extent, we have that problem than anywhere else. Why wouldn't we have this? We, we have everything else that is indicative of being the third largest city in Central North America. Well, and, be- and we do. Because we can't just spend our way out of it. You can't hand somebody that's in a shelter a key to a new place. Some of them you can, but you can't just say, here's the keys to your new apartment. Good luck with it. A lot of people are going to need a lot of help with their life. And that's where we enter the discussion about supportive housing, where you've got different medical and other counseling and services and nurses that come in and help people 
make it through and set up a, a successful household. And doing all that is very expensive and, and, and arguably beyond the ability of the city and, and becomes a, a something of a larger discussion of institutionalization and how do we cope with that as a society. Yeah, uh, it's one of those things, too, where, uh, again, you know, if you do have uh, the capacity and you increase it, it just draws more people in. I mean, San Francisco faces that in the States. I mean, they have the generous, if you want to say generous, welfare programs and all the rest. Of it. It's like a locus, and uh, it's a magnet for a lot of people who just come, indigents, who migrate to San Francisco as a, as a consequence. It's warmer there today than... Well, yeah. Well, what is? I can't remember who said it, but uh, October was, I guess, the best summer he spent in San Francisco. Let me ask uh, on uh, another level. When uh, Peter Sherman uh, used the phrase "not enough money," that's uh, something that we hear uh, almost constantly from different sources or different uh, levels of government. And the Ford government claiming that's the reason they're holding the line on a seven hundred and fifty million dollar uh, envelope of cash for the teachers. The teachers not seating anything in the negotiation, so we're at an impasse. And it looks like this thing is going to uh, be ratcheted up next week with. Acting in concert, uh, the elementary, the secondary, and the Catholic teachers are all holding strikes. Uh, initially, it's you know one day here, one day there, but it may come to uh, greater frequency. So what are the end games, respectively, for the unions as well as the government? Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.